0: Welcome on into the show. My name is Denny Gallagher, and I'm joined by the snare campaign provocateur, the king of cannabis. No, just kidding. That sounds like you run <laughs> run a whole racket out of your basement.
1: It's Benny Horowitz. What's up, dude? You know what I just learned about that, Denny, was that, you know, I grew up calling it marijuana, Mary mm. Jane, any one of those funny derivatives of the word. And I just recently uh, found out that the only reason it was called that was they changed it from cannabis and the uh, uproar of the 40s and 50s and reefer (laughs) madness and started using the nomenclature marijuana to associate it with Mexicans and dirty people and things like that to keep people away. So that's why one of the reclaiming aspects of cannabis culture is calling it cannabis rather than marijuana.
0: I should have called you the mayor of Mar- Marijuanaville or whatever. It, it would have been mayor a lot of bad. marijuana town.
1: So speaking of which, yeah, I heard the uh the boys in the NBA are gonna get to do whatever they like this year.
0: I mean, I think Kyrie kind of established that already, right? They can do whatever they want. No, I just
1: can I mean there's like I think there's like seventeen <laughs> players already that have like their own strain of weed and products and money into cannabis companies, it's been pretty obvious for a long time, hasn't it? Yeah. But uh, yeah. So now they got they got nothing to worry about. They can work with some some edibles to go to sleep. They can uh, safely buy it in the uh, states where it's legal, which it looks like any number of states they'll travel to at this point. So, you know, things things move in a certain way. And I believe what you're talking about
0: is the NBA coming out and saying that they will not be testing for marijuana this season, right. which is a first of its kind, and David Stern is rolling over in his grave.
1: I mean, listen, David Stern, this was the original don't ask, don't tell policy <laughs> prior to the American military, okay, was, <laughs> was weed in the NBA. This has been like, you know, see no evil, hear no evil for a long, long time. If they were really, really rampant on, uh, you know, marijuana testing in the NBA, we would have had a fairly, fairly decimated league over the last couple of decades, I think.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's right. You definitely I think that that there would have been because it's like, you know, when you're that active and working out that much, like any sort of natural thing that you can
1: like use is, is probably what you should do. And use it as a bubble experiment for other things, right? NBA likes being a bubble. Well, like cocaine. It's, no, well, it's, that's, that's what I'm saying. There's these professional athletes who are living uh, really complicated, complex lives and living it well and using marijuana. And the only person who ever made it down the road to crack is probably like Lamar Odom. And that's so, so it's one out of the thousands. So it's not a gateway drug. The MBA is, uh, is a small, very scientific sample size of this. Time for
0: everyone's favorite segment on the program. It's time for this day in music history.
1: i throw you off that guy a little bit. So, <laughs> on the, <laughs> this day in 1991. The U2 song Exit is played at the trial of Robert Bardo, who claimed the song helped compel him to kill the actress Rebecca Schaefer. So this 19-year-old deranged lunatic from Arizona hired a private investigator to get the address of a TV actress, Rebecca Schaefer, that he fell in love with, shot her to death at her home. Very sad story. But the interesting part of it was they use this U2 song uh, Exit as one of the patsies and saying that it motivated the murder. And there's a video of them playing this song in the courtroom and this murderer, you know, who who through the the trial is very deadpan and kind of, you know, really not a lot of emotion talking about the very serious thing that he was a part of. They play this song and all of a sudden the guy's like hyped up and like dancing and singing along. And it's kind of this like strange connection to that song he has. So what's interesting is this guy, you know, life in prison. He's still in there. I don't think any chance coming out. Good piece of shit. It was a terrible event. But unlike, you know, ACDC song Night Prowler, Uh, Marilyn Manson later rage against the machine later there are no calls to ban you two (laughs) or implicate them in the crime so you know a fascinating end from a musical perspective here is why did you two out of all these bands this it seems like uh periodically you know music is used as the uh uh, you know, like I said earlier, the Patsy in some of these situations. How did you two get out of it? Oh, you know why. And it's the
0: thing we've talked about. They got the church on their side, man. Oh, yeah. <laughs> is that what it is? The Roman, the Roman Catholic. Even if they're not practicing, they've got the Irish Catholics to be like, hey, those boys aren't so
1: bad. Yeah, like, is... So, I mean, really, like, that's kind of why I brought it up. Is there sort of a deep you know, seated sort of thing here, which isn't as obvious as you said, where it's like, oh, they're good. You know, they're good boys. But is it that secondary bias that you give people like you or people the way you want them to be the benefit of the doubt and you don't give people the other way? You know, the same way while Obama was droning people to death for eight years, I was thinking like, oh, you know, it's probably... Yeah, it was probably the better of of a bunch of decisions and totally blindfolding myself. Maybe it's the same in this case, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I I'm, I'm not <laughs> trying to, for that daddy.
0: <laughs> I'm not trying to get into Obama drone strikes today, man. There's plenty. <laughs> Listen, we're going to talk about cleansing your mental palate. I love it. I can hear it.
1: I can hear the the <laughs> the edits before the episode even comes out. Danny made a note before my sentence even finished. I was like, let me just F8 that, yeah. please, Mark. All this right. Is, All right, Benny, keep going. Uh, none of this is going to be there anyway.
0: All right. Well, on this day in Mark. 2004, our girl Brittany Spears split with the manager who guided her for her, her career since she was 13 years old. This guy's name was Larry Rudolph um they mutually agreed to part ways and ending a nine-year managerial relationship that the two had why this is important and why i bring this up because we talked last week about uh her conservatorship being dissolved or at least transitioned into its next phase this kind of was the uh decision that kind of led to that beginning and Mm -hmm. uh britney's life taking a yet another crazy turn so on this day in 2004 all this madness kind of begins
1: so is this sort of when it stepped into like this person needs protection? Yeah, yeah, right, right. So, which I mean, partially is true, right? You need a you need a snake to deal with all the snakes. That's right. That's why you have me, right? A snake to deal with all the snakes. No, no, no. no. <laughs> there, are, there are men. There are men much richer than us <laughs> who are the snakes that deal with the snakes in my, in my world.
0: And that are much, uh, they, they, let's just say they hit the gym a little bit more frequently than you and I.
1: <laughs> yes, great bodies, all of them, very expensive t-shirts.
0: Benny, I got to ask you this question. Did you see, and I know this is like a question people would ask themselves in like the 90s, like, like real hoity-toity Wall Street people, but did you yeah. watch 60 Minutes on Sunday? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I did, didn't catch six. <laughs> okay.
0: Well, yeah. you know, if, if you've been online or around the way a little bit this week, you've seen all about the Facebook whistleblower. Um, oh, a okay. former worker at Facebook came out with a bunch of internal research uh, that, by the way, the way she... Copied this research before she left, like scanning it, bringing it home. I'm like, this is going to be a Steven Soderbergh movie one day. Oh, um, yeah. Yeah. and so this woman, uh, comes forward with all the internal research that Facebook has, the internal research that she presented on uh, 60 Minutes, as well as with the Wall Street Journal, uh, says that Facebook knows uh, that it has caught only a small fraction of misinformation spread on the site um, that they shut down their misinformation department kind of after the 2016 election. They had this whole big department, and then after the election went a certain way and there wasn't uh, foreign interference, that they kind of cut back her department and uh, their civic duty. And then the final thing, because um, this had to do with Instagram as well, She said that Facebook knows the effects that Instagram has on young minds. So at least for a few days, it was people deleting Facebook. And then the next day there was the outage, so people couldn't use Instagram, Facebook, WhatsApp, and all of this stuff. So Benny, I bring up all of this to kind of move to the macro point. Do you think that, you know, Anytime things are bad, and government regulations come down. The public consciousness kind of sways from one side to the other. Do you think we will start to see people stop using, or at least decline their use of social media?
1: Um, I mean, I wonder if the people you know already in it are going to do it, and that, you know that's the like the limit to which they would have to go for the people who are already involved to pull themselves out is drastic especially because of what even Facebook said people are basing so many elements of their lives you know through social media now you know the how they're operating their companies how they're selling things how they're buying goods you know it's turned into this giant marketplace that's become uh, a little even larger than social media so i don't think it's turning off and i don't think it's switching off but I think we're beginning that process of what I've talked about a lot for years, which is the idea that this open Internet and the open social media we've had is so problematic. I think it's going to be looked at like cigarette smoking 25 years from now, where they were almost like, wait, they just gave you those things with like unfettered like access to do whatever. And no one was checking like, what are you guys crazy? So I do think this is beginning that process. And the important part of this is her information being part and parcel to changing people's opinions about that process. And that's where I think uh, maybe the biggest thing to come out of this were the statistics that Facebook had that they weren't sharing and chose to continue on anyway you know when they found out that uh you know in the study in the UK the you know the 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 market uh self esteem decreases of people suicide rates going up as a result of the way the Instagram algorithm works um you know the other statistics about the algorithm pushing things that just draw the ire of people and that brings them to the top and you know when they know that the things they're programming are problematic for people and moving ahead with it uh that's a big issue and i think that's where you can start to see these companies as totally inhuman mark zuckerberg never does himself any favors as appearing inhuman because you know the guy looks like he's made of robot parts and you know cries blue oil or something cuz <laughs> the way but so i think a lot of stuff's going to come out of it and you know i i applaud this woman again you have to use your own judgment sometimes to know what people's intentions are and you know i don't know the way she speaks um and the way she presents this information i find the presentation of it pretty authentic and you know if she's going for some like book deal or something like that i can't know that but she but whatever it doesn't really matter because what she's has done to me is important and it's important because you know there's uh unified things in um uh, you know in congress right now to actually combat these things that uh, and there's a bipartisan bill coming uh is between Congressans Blumenthal and Blackburn that would let private citizens sue Facebook and other social media companies for harm caused by their algorithms. Right now there's a decade-old law known as section 230 that immunize immunizes social media companies for being sued over what their users post. But now lawmakers are examining carve-outs where people can find a path. To sue for the harmful use of the algorithm and stuff like that. So, as usual, you start doing things to hit their pockets and hit the bottom line, then things might actually change. And then, speaking of the bottom line, you know, it took, uh, you know, our friend Robot Zuckerberg like a couple days to make his own statement. And one part that stood out to me was a quote that said, the argument that we deliberately push content. That makes people angry for profit is deeply illogical. We make money from ads and advertisers consistently tell us they don't want their ads next to harmful or angry content. To me, that's kind of like total bullshit. I mean, the whole thing is that they make money from engagement. You know, they make money from users. They make money from people being on the site, going on it, uh you know 25 times a day because it's it's like a tick and they they're afraid that they miss something. So the idea that like the algorithm pushing things the way it does doesn't drive people to the website I think is really uh you know it's it's BS uh right out there in the open. So his statements, you know, against what she's saying weren't very strong. So to answer your first question, yeah, I do I think it's uh uh fueling a much bigger wave that that's coming
0: yeah man i mean like we've talked about this you know both on the pod and behind the scenes having social media is kind of a job both putting stuff out here and and you know add like serious and stuff like that it's a mind fuck dude i don't know if there's any like i don't like the fact that i like You know, if I put out the tweet like this, people are more likely to engage with it. (laughs) And it it really messes up your behavior in all areas of life. So I'm just like, there needs to be some sort of regulation on it Um, because, you know, and you've seen it across the board. I saw, um, and we'll get to the Yanks in a a little bit, when the Yanks lost to uh, the Red Sox, the New York Times article... Uh, the the headline wasn't Red Sox beat Yanks in the ALDS. It was how the Red Sox beat the Yanks in the ALDS. All of these he- headlines uh, that start with some sort of like action that are based right. off of like YouTube being like how to videos or like TikTok be like, trying to appeal to your sense of. There is a something that I don't know how to do, and this is going to give it to me that kind of gratification, and it's just dangerous. And this is the New York Times. This yeah. is this is the outlet that fought against yellow journalism ninety years right. ago, and now they've just caved, and, and we're all doing it. So it's really sad. Um, like there's a reason why we don't have a tune-up fa- Facebook group. It is a huge money maker for a lot of these media outlets. But in order to, like, do that, it it feels like like we're compromising what this entire podcast is kind of about.
1: Yeah, I mean, you don't have to ask me twice about not going on it. (laughs)
0: That's a fact. But, no, it's just a massive mind fuck. Honestly, like, I'd love to know what the listeners think about this because, you know, I'm kind of too close to this whole social media thing to, like, step back. I would love to know someone that's not in it all the time uh what's your relationship like with it because for me it's pretty consuming and i've felt the mental effects
1: yeah yeah and i you know and i feel the effects on the other side which is like you know i I sort of have to do it for work but nobody's telling me to so it's sort of this like self-effacing pride swallowing thing all the time (laughs) especially when i have to uh you know, send it out there now, you know, battling with this thing. And I see a lot of artists my age battling with the same thing, which is like, you know, how do you stay relevant? How do you do the things you need to do to stay present in the world you're in, but also age gracefully at the same time? You know what I mean? Like you got to realize who you are and who your consumer is. And honestly, a 16 year old kid who is, you know, raised holding an iPhone knows a whole lot fucking more about editing quick time movies and putting (laughs) sound over it and putting music over it and cutting it a certain way for TikTok to make it look awesome. And I don't have the energy or the wherewithal at this age to like get as good as them at it. So that's where I think there's a lot of uh, gray area to who it's for, what its purpose is, and and where it's gonna land, you know?
0: Yeah, man, dude. It's some some days it is a struggle. Let me tell you that right now. Like the more you do of it, it's like eating fast food. The more you do of it, the worse you feel. It's like that's how you can spend all day on the computer and at seven o'clock, you just feel like you've been stuffing your face with like popcorn and shit like like you feel physical. It's I hate it. Yeah,
1: I think you got to Yeah, when I interviewed Adam for murder by death recently, you know, they're they've been smart with, you know, crowdfunding and social media from the get go. And he's he's like, no, I hate doing it. You know, he's like, it's not something I found joy in, but it's part of the job now. Mm. So he sets aside like, you know, 30 minutes a day. Like to be used for social media, but then it's unused the other twenty three and a half hours a day. I think for people who are using it for work, that might be a healthy way to go about it. You know,
0: yeah, I've definitely got to have more portion control. If if I'm keeping this food <laughs> analogy going, yeah, yeah. All right, let's 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 get out of this. That went to a area. Let's talk about a guy who brings us joy and a guy we talk about a lot on this podcast. Damien Lillard, <laughs> Kanye West, crossover tune-up sweet spot story here. So, Matt Sullivan, writer Rolling Stone, had that great book about your nets, uh, had a QA and a for Rolling Stone this week with Damien Lillard. Dame trying to put out a new album that he's apparently he's been working on at the same time as Kanye West. And Kanye has, you know, I, I guess he's a big fan of Four Bar Friday that uh, Dame does on social media. And he wanted uh, Damian Lillard to come have a verse on Donda. All that while he's in Vegas preparing to play USA Basketball. So he's got, he's got the Olympics, he's got uh, the music happening, all of this stuff. Benny, I sent you this article. Sullivan did a great job talking about how uh, Dame balances his music, that whole world, with also being a basketball player. What was the most surprising thing for you here? The fact that Kevin Durant has a mixtape out there or the fact that uh, Kanye wanted Damien on Donda and he declined?
1: No, neither is surprising. I mean, KD's got a pass with this. Um, I think he's he's laid some things down before and and expressed his interest in music. So I'm not not surprised about that. I'm not surprised that Kanye West uh excuse me would have damian lillard do a verse on his record you know like that sounds cool uh you know i am a little surprised that that dame dollar turned it down you know like i would think with uh i mean at this point lillard might be you know the most uh legitimate you know hip-hop artist to ever come out of the nba and a lot of people have tried um So I would imagine. He would be stoked to have a verse on such a, you know, influential artists record, I I would think in his eyes, that would be a positive thing. And he's, you know, said that he had uh, flown in his own engineers. uh, To finish his album before Tokyo. So, I mean, if that's actually the case and he footed a bunch of airplane tickets to fly his engineers in to finish his record with one night to go before you leave for tokyo i mean it's legitimate right Mm. like that actually seems like this could be a scheduling conflict and because like you said uh the reddit generation we're gonna find something deeper so uh or Maybe there's something else, you know, maybe like maybe Dame doesn't like him that much. Maybe the the riding around on white horses was was a little too much and took a step too far. And maybe he's got an Oakland versus Chicago thing. Like, I, I don't know. Like,
0: what kind of music you do you think uh, Kevin Durant is out here making?
1: Oh, I think he's making hip hop. Like, albums. is he like the roots or is he like Rick Ross? <laughs> oh, that's a good question. No, I don't think he's like the roots. <laughs> There's nothing about Kevin Durant that strikes me as like hippy dippy. He's like a deep dude. I think yeah. he's, he's smart and deep dude, uh, but he's kind of a jock. So, no, I don't see the roots. Uh, that's a good question, though. I don't know what kind of bars he spits. <laughs> he doesn't talk much, yeah. so that's where it's like he's not a very like lively conversationist yeah. in interviews and stuff. He's pretty low key. So I don't know what his spit would be like. Probably pretty dark, I guess. All
0: right, you know, it seems like each and every week we're talking about Kevin Durant's mm. teammate. We're talking about Kyrie Irving. Uh, we're talking about, you know, the fact that apparently Kyrie's looking like he's going to be a part-time player this season. ESPN had it. Uh, the Brooklyn Nets remain uncertain about uh, Kyrie Irving's ultimate intention to get vaccinated, as, and they have made no decision on whether the organization will accommodate him as a part-time player. Um, Benny, let's just start here. Uh, should any player be allowed to be a
1: part-time player? Well, that that's what's, what's a strange thing right off the bat here, you know, is this same part-time player is not a part-time player on 27 other teams in the league, mm. right? So that's kind of like the weird, strange thing we're in right now. If it really is, you know, we don't know because there hasn't been some sort of statement either way if this really is some conviction against vaccines and you really don't, I don't see New York loosening up this policy anytime soon. I mean, you know, this might just be a practical decision at this point. Be like, who knows? Maybe even though both decide, you know, be like, I don't know. Like, uh, this doesn't seem to be working out, but we also don't know it's that yet. Yeah. So this could also be like Kyrie trickery, you know, he could just be like hiding out, got vaccinated like a month ago. And but isn't he like out there liking like Instagram posts about like Satanistic theories and yeah. like weird anti-vax stuff? So I don't know. At this point, I think you and I know as about as much as the Nets know, mm. know even as much as like Kevin Durant knows. I think uh that might have been the most telling thing for me as part of this is Durant, when he finally spoke about it, you know, he offered his support of Kyrie. He said the boilerplate, you know, I respect the personal nature of his business. But he also made it a point to state a couple times like the sort of next man up mentality and that we'll figure it out without him. And I think that uh, we'll be OK without him. So I don't think Katie knows anything. And I think he's kind of almost saying publicly, too you know, now is time to shit or get off the pot. It's yeah. like I think they just need to know now. And that's what you've seen in the last couple of days is people like Duran and the actual team itself, like putting the clamps down, being like we you got to tell us what's actually happening so we can plan for this season. But do I think a part time player works? Uh, no, I don't. I don't think it's going to work at all if that's the case.
0: Yeah, and, and I just hope that he hasn't destroyed team chemistry too much. Like I know that, you know, it's him, K D and, and James and they're like boys, but uh it's tough. I do think, you know, because the season opener is in Milwaukee, I think he'll play the season opener. But I think that this gives Kyrie flexibility throughout the season to kind of pick and choose now that he doesn't have like a like nagging injury, so to speak, this season, it gives him the ability to pick and choose his games, which seems to be his ML.
1: Yeah, it doesn't matter though. Like the Nets aren't here to like just have a good regular season. That's not that's not why this team was put together. Was Kyrie Irving not gonna play home games in the playoffs? You know, like the Nets are going to the playoffs. Yeah. You have to think of it like that. And if he's gonna take himself away from the team not be a part of it, not play. It also means he's not practicing. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's not playing against the Knicks. He's not playing against the Warriors. You know, there are some other games he would miss, too. So, like, uh, no, I don't, I don't think that can work at all. And if in the next couple of weeks it really comes down to the fact that he took a hard line against the vaccine, I think, like, decisions are going to have to be made. And I think you're going to have to go ahead and play the season without him. That's tough because if someone
0: holds out, right, you can be you can kind of try to play the leverage game here. Like he's diminished his value that you can't trade him. You'd have to have to release him, and it just seems like a whole like we talked about last week how he's sacrificing 19 million dollars to take this stand. I hope he doesn't feel like he's Muhammad Ali here. I really, but I feel like that's what he <laughs> he thinks that he is.
1: Yeah, I think so too. I think he you know he's in his mind he's taken a very a very important stand.
0: Let's go down the Turnpike a little bit. Brooklyn down to Philly, Ben Simmons. You know, if you've been around the pod the past couple of weeks, you know there's two people we talk about every single week, Kyrie Irving, Ben Simmons. <laughs> but uh there's speculation in the city of brotherly love that Simmons may actually finally be on the movie for the start of the season, with the Indiana Pacers being the hot name in the streets about a favorite to land him. Uh, The alleged deal would be Karis LeVert, your guy and my guy Malcolm Brogdon, going to Philadelphia and a draft pick. I think this is the best they're going to get. Benny, what do you think?
1: So, I mean, it's one of those, I think the speculations about this trade really we're only born from the fact that Indiana has uh, the correct pieces to make it happen. You know, they happen to have the uh, correct amount of useful borderline all-star players who are making a certain amount of money that actually make this work. So for Philly, I maybe get it. I mean, if you're actually getting Malcolm Brogdon and Karis Levert and an asset back, You know, I could see that fit-wise, but on the other side, why is Indy doing this? Um, Are you going to send those guys out and pair Ben Simmons with Miles Turner, Demontis Sabonis, and Miles Turner? That's tough. And T.J. Warren, if he plays like uh, they were desperate to get a guy like Levert, fit-wise, they desperately needed a wing, needed someone who can create and score. Levert's kind of only he's a good player, but he's mostly useful if you give him the ball to score, you know, Um, you're not setting up too much stuff for him, even though he's, he's underrated passer. So, uh, you know, they were desperate for a guy like Levert to make that team hum. So fit wise, I don't see it from the Pacers end. And I think uh, the uh, talk of this trade, like I said, was only born of the fact that the Pacers have the appropriate pieces to make it happen,
0: and that they're not Sacramento, because I think that, <laughs> I, I think Rich <laughs> yeah. Paul doesn't even like want his client anywhere near Sacramento. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> Perfect timing. Perfect timing there. Um. But yeah. I mean, I'd like I'd like to see Ben Simmons on the move, but I just I don't, I, I don't know. Hit uh, the clutch clients don't typically go to situations like that. But if, if anybody I think can get the most out of Ben Simmons, I'd love to see him on a Rick
1: Carlisle team. Yeah, yeah, that could be interesting.
0: From the hardwood to the diamond, Benny, we are had a tough week here at the pod as, uh, you know, the Yankees faced mm. up against the Red Sox in an AL wildcard matchup. One game winner take all, and the Red Sox took all. This is the third straight time that the Sox have eliminated the Yanks in the postseason. That's. That's just an unfathomable
1: sentence to me. <laughs> just, but uh, uh, not in the last twenty years. Yeah,
0: everybody online calling for Aaron Boone's job. A lot of people even calling for Brian Cashman's job. So, Benny, I'll toss it up like this: Do you think that this loss it was
1: the end of the Brian Cashman era? That's the big question about this. I mean, before we start, I just want to say that this was a strange year for the wild card playing, right? Because. The AL played out in exactly the way you would want it to, which is a Yankees Red Sox, like one game playoff. And the NL was the reason you don't want that game, (laughs) which is teams who won 106 games being stuck in a one game playoff. And it's totally unfair. So I thought it was strange how the uh, uh, parallels of the good and bad of this wild card game played out in each league. As far as the Yankees are concerned, I think that's the big question not only for Cashman and Boone but even the uh the roster itself you know you're kind of dealing maybe we're at the 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 breaking point of this you know I'll call it an era very loosely but this group of players who came up together Gary Sanchez Glauber Torres Severino Aaron Judge um you know a few years ago we were tasking this group with being the youth movement that was going to take us to another World Series, I think you would be uh, right to question the fact if that's the group that can or will do that. So moving away from that era uh, might also involve moving away from some of the staff. It's hard to see the Cashman thing because I'm like, I don't even remember who was Cashman before Cashman at this point. It's been so long. He's the guy, you know, it's from Steinbrenner to Steinbrenner. So like the fact that they still, uh, you know, made that run towards the end of the season, the fact that those Rizzo and Gallo pickups kind of were the impetus to even being in a playing game. I mean, I was on this podcast two months ago and I had the Yankees dead to rights. And, uh, you know, and they still made it through. So I think because of that run they made towards the end of the season, it could be the saving grace for both Boone and Cashman, but Yankees fans are mad. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like it's, uh, like you said, we're losing to the teams. We got used to beating, you know, watching the Rays be dominant through all this, and then losing to the Red Sox like this. Um, it's also a little unfathomable to think that they're going to just sit here and roll this style team out next year too, without making any waves. So I do think some heads are going to roll. And I think the most likely heads, uh, at this point would be Aaron Boone and, uh, Gary Sanchez.
0: Yeah, that seems to be right. and, Honestly, it's just sad because for a long time, it was the Yankees were the evil empire. And that entire facade, that entire narrative, it's just gone. Like, oh, they, yeah. like, like they lose to the top teams in the AL every single year. It's kind of interesting. And I was thinking about this, the way that they've constructed the team since they moved to the new ballpark uh, to mm. just hit dingers and not to be like complete teams. I don't know. I feel like yeah, that will be successful for you at, at home. But if you're gonna want to go on the road in a one-game winner-take-all, I mean, you're having. I mean, granted, Fenway is a uh, is a outlier here, but you're having John Giancarlo like hitting the ball in any other ballpark. That'd be two homers right there, <laughs> and it just bouncing off the wall for a double, and then you have the whole mix-up sending Aaron Judge home. So I think you, I think they got to take a long, hard look at, about are we just gonna be a team that just crushes the ball? Or are we going to actually try to build a complete roster again?
1: But I mean, like, here's where the proof is in the pudding is like, I, I mean, the Yankees had had little to no starting pitching this season yeah, at all. So the idea that they even came away with, you know, the amount of wins they had, you know, 92 wins without uh, anybody really besides Garrett Cole pitching i guess Montgomery as well uh you know pitching long and consistent into games like they won a lot of close games they did it with some some timely hitting but yeah i mean they're this really clunky lineup you know they only hit from uh one side of the plate uh they're awful base runners you know there's really no no threat for movement there so um you know besides for the signing of LeMayu a couple years ago mm. uh you know, that's about the only, you know, all field hitter is someone who's really like dynamic and just gets on base and, and creates, you know, a good leadoff problem for other teams. Yeah, they're gonna need some different kinds of players to make this thing tick.
0: This was the other question
1: I was thinking about
0: when when was the last time you were confident in the in the rotation one through five?
1: Like what Ooh. year? The last time I was confident in the rotation one through five? Yeah. I, I mean, that's a tough question to answer um, because, you know, I'm a very optimistic Yankees fan. So, y- you know, in re- in reality, I probably would have told you like two years ago, you know, because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> I love Tanaka and I love some of the guys we had. But, yeah, it's been a minute and it's been thin. Uh, and it's one of the issues when you aren't raising any starting pitchers. You know, none of these guys have been panning out from the, from the minor leagues. And then you dump $320 million into one player and you got to take kind of, you know, long shot deals on tallien and Kluber and he's, you know, these interesting players. So I think that's uh yeah, a big part of it going in.
0: And then I think the final thing for Yankees fans is a lot of this is about perspective. I mean, the, the standard and the expectation in the nineties was like, Oh, like, the entire lineup's going to hit 300 and we're going to have like sub three on borderline <laughs> right. sub two starting pitching. And yeah. I think, you know, that hangover, that attitude has persisted for the last 20 years. And that's hard to do. There's like there's <laughs> like one or two teams every decade that can put together a lineup like that for a season or two.
1: So, I, I mean, based on what you're saying, it sounds like. Sounds like Cashman should be gone. From your, I
0: mean, it just—I'm not calling for anybody's job. I pose the question, but I I like—I think that he's earned the right to work in that position as long as he wants to, Um, and it's just one of those things in 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 sports. Now, don't be a
1: diplomat, Danny. Call for his head. No,
0: I'm not going to call for his head. What do we just talk about about clicks? And doing the <laughs> algorithm. I'm not going to put up a YouTube video that we says... We got to play the game, baby. Oh. We got to play the game. <laughs> I wish the Yankees would play the game a little
1: more. Yeah, no shit.
0: Um, but one other baseball question for you. So you brought up the wild card game, this format, the one undone.
1: I like it. How are you feeling about it? Oh, I love it. Yeah. I think it's great. And I think, you know, you just had the rare occurrence this year of Uh, a 107-win team being in the same division as a 106-win team. I don't like it for what happened to the Dodgers. And if the Dodgers lost, I I do think it would have been a big stain on it because, you know, anybody who's a baseball fan knows like you can't properly gauge the quality of a team in a one-game series. And uh, you shouldn't do that to a team who wins 106 games. Uh, Two teams that win 92 games, I'm happy to do that, too. So that's where I led this segment off where it was like a a crazy parallel to the wild card system where I think you had one league showing exactly why you needed to do it, particularly with the way it was uh, rounding out with Seattle, Toronto, Boston, New York. I mean, critical, critical games for the last two weeks of the season they are really entertaining. Um, You know, you, you needed that. But I didn't like it in the NL because uh, if the Dodgers happened to not get that Chris Taylor walk off last night, then, you know, it really would have been sort of unfair.
0: All right. It's NFL picks time. It's everybody's least favorite segment or or, or, or that's at least what the stats tell me. So if <laughs> uh, if you're here for the music and basketball, thank you very much. You've been listening to tune But if you want to indulge us in these football picks, guys, I was back last week. I went ten and five. Benny went nine and six. We're crushing it. Okay. Honestly, I listen to a lot of pods on the gambling stuff. Not many people doing these numbers that we're doing. So Benny's all, right. all Benny's season record is twenty five and twenty. I'm twenty two and twenty three. Bounce back from a four and eleven week with ten Dang and five. Closer. So Dang I love closer. this. Um, it's really gonna be a. Uh, You know, we got 12 weeks left here after this one. It's going to be fun. So, all right, let's get to these lines, shall we? Let's do it. Jets, Falcons. Falcons minus three and a half. Benny, what do you like here?
1: I like the Jets. Hmm. I can't believe I'm saying it. But, uh, yeah, I I think they they put something together last week. And uh, I like them to keep it going. I, I still don't really believe in the Falcons.
0: It's just minus three and a half number for me. This game could be close. You know, the Falcons played, uh, barely squeaked out a win against the Giants. But I'm not confident enough that you know the Jets aren't gonna feel too big for their bridges this week. Give me the Falcons here.
1: All right. All right. From the start. That's right.
0: That's right. I got, I got a couple games to make up here. Titans minus four and a half at Jacksonville. Benny, what do you like?
1: I mean. This is Titans all the way. I don't even care what the line is. I think it's going to be a shellacking after the week the Jaguars have had <laughs> and the week Urban Myers had. I don't think this. he's coming in with some Vince Lombardi-style speech going into this game. I think it's, it's going to be a shit show, and uh, I think the team's going to suffer because of it.
0: I don't think that Jacksonville – has ever in their entire history of being a football team has been has had this kind of celebrity induced week. So no. um that being said, Titans kind of bit me last week in, in this Jets game. Um but I mean I, I the Jaguars are just a mess right now. Give me the Titans minus four and a half. Cincinnati, Green Bay, Packers minus three. Benny what do you like here?
1: I think the, I think the Packers bubble pops this week. I like that the Bengals are rolling uh defense looks good borrow looks good i'm taking i'm taking the Bengals with a plus three
0: yeah that that's an interesting number uh packers just signed jalen smith from the cowboys uh he was cut uh midweek kind of a surprise move uh give me the aaron Rodgers fu tour strolling through cincinnati <laughs> carolina at home versus the eagles 1 p.m panthers minus three and a half benny what do you like here
1: I really like this Panthers defense. Uh, I think, you know, Eagles still have some cracks there, still some youth. Um, so I like the Panthers. Uh, I think it's going to be a tight game, but I, I like the Panthers to to just cover by just under a touchdown.
0: Yeah, the Eagles the past two weeks have allowed, what's this, 41 and 42 points in their four games. So uh, not great. Uh, Gives Sam Darnold a lot of opportunity there. Give me Carolina. Oh, the team that has hurt me, mo- that has led more to this 500 record than any other team, the Pittsburgh Steelers hosting the Denver Broncos. Broncos minus one, virtual pick them. Benny, what do you like here?
1: Uh, I like the Steelers to squeak this out. I think uh, they're kind of built for these tight games. So it was such a, such a tight line. I I, I like the steel, steel train. My mantra was nobody
0: goes into Heinz Field and pushes the Steelers around. I can very much see the Broncos doing that. It's a tight one. It's a toss-up. I'm going to go with Denver here. All right. Keeping it in the 1 o'clock hour, Lions, Vikings. Vikings minus 7.5, again with that half point. Benny, what do you like here?
1: Just hating this Lions team. It's just a yeah. ugly, ugly, ugly-looking thing going on over there. So I'm just – I can't. I can't. Even with the minus 9, I'm taking the Vikings.
0: You can't pick against Kirk Cousins, right? Give me give me the Vikings. Give me the Vikings. Saints at Washington, 1 p.m. Saints minus two. Benny, what, what do you like here?
1: Hey, Saints are starting to really roll in the wrong direction here. I think uh, Washington has enough talent to start to put it together and move the other way. I think this week kind of kicks it off, so I'm going Washington plus two. Give me Washington
0: here. Um, I think that it's a, uh, you know, some games you got to play the gamble in uh, uh, a little game here. Uh, I can't go with your boy Jameis and have him flame me again. Uh, So let's give me Washington plus two here.
1: Dolphins, Tampa Bay, Bucks minus 10. Benny, what do you like? I like the Dolphins to recover enough here to cover that line uh show some self-respect. I keep getting bit by the Dolphins being the, and these lines, but I'm a believer um and I think they'll, they'll they'll definitely not win the game but do enough to uh to keep it inside.
0: Yeah, no. It's definitely tough there that that 10 number uh scares me a little bit. Um the Dolphins tough team. Um not sure that Tom Brady blows them out. So yeah, Give me the Dolphins here. I'd I, I like them to keep it within the 10 range. All right. uh, You know, we ha- had them last week. The Pats, Tom Brady return. Uh, they look to follow up that close loss by taking a trip down to Houston, going up against a team that is the uh, cure for the common losing streak. Pats, minus 8.5 at Houston.
1: Benny, what do you like here? Yeah, it's Pat, Pats in a walkham here. <laughs> yeah i don't I don't see Houston putting out much of a fight. this is like uh this is like when Belichick like uh walks into you know the uh the hitting machine and and <laughs> goes fifty miles an hour first before he works his way up. This is like scoop of chocolate scoop of vanilla for him, so I think it's I think he's gonna toy around with them It's gonna be a the big big pats win
0: oh pats all day I mean come on the like yeah. Houston last week that was. No, we were scared of that minus 16 number. How foolish were we? Luckily, yeah. we won with it. So Pat's minus eight and a half here. Um, all right, going down the 405 and not the road in California, the time slot each and every Sunday. Uh, Bears at Ooh. Vegas, Raiders minus five. Benny, what do you like here?
1: Uh, I like the Raiders. I think the Bears, you know, feeling good after last week, but, you know, they'll come back down to earth. And, uh, yeah, I like the Raiders with five. The five here is the tough number for me.
0: You know, there's been a lot of adversity going up against the Bears the past couple weeks. I think this one may be tight. It may be one of those games that, that you think, you know, the Raiders are going to try to bounce back. Though, honestly, as I'm talking about this, I'm talking myself out of it. Give me the Raiders here because I watched I that Monday what? night game against the Chargers, and I was like, that offense can score in a hurry. Not so confident in the Bears. So little switcheroo, little Raiders minus five here. All right. All right. Other 405 games. Speaking of the Chargers, Browns at Chargers. Chargers, minus one and a half. Benny, what do you like here?
1: I think the Browns are uh, overplaying how good of a team they are so far. Uh, I'm not really a believer, uh, particularly in the offense, so... I think the Chargers actually kind of win this handily this week. Uh, I strongly like the Chargers in this game. Yeah, man. If, the, if this was if this was my golden nugget game to <laughs> give to somebody on DraftKings <laughs> this week, I think it Ooh, would be this. Hey, man, we're not talking about that. Free strong one. on the Chargers.
0: <laughs> I'm going to go with the Chargers too. They've really, you know, when when they've been playing at, at home, they've been a, a a team that can light it up quickly. Um, and I still think people sleep on the Chargers because they're the Chargers. Brown's good as well, but give me the charges here, minus one and a half. 425. Oh, man, Benny, I feel like I know where you're going to go here. Giants, Cowboys, Cowboys minus seven. What do you like?
1: Yeah, you know, I'm not paying the gods here with, <laughs> with a Dallas shellacking. Uh, I think my gents, even if they, they lose, they keep it tight. That Daniel Jones offense is, dare I say, kind of fun. This year and uh, defense is respectable enough, even though the Cowboys are a juggernaut right now. I think they'll win the game. I I think the Giants are going to keep it respectable. You know, you got to remember always like Giants uh, have a a game against the Cowboys or the Eagles. Something, something extra like some fairy dust is put into the mix to just help it out a little bit.
0: I mean, last week they allowed 405 yards. I think you give Dak that kind of time, he's going to make you pay for it. I think that this is going to easily be Cowboys minus seven. And I don't know if you've noticed this in our picks. I've gone against the Giants every single week, and most of the time it's panned out. It's my way of kind, me trying to think that I have control to motivate them. Well, you have, this is the
1: one part of this. this game, you do have control with because <laughs> I am a superstitious person. So you're, you're going to get me on a lot of these Giants ones.
0: <laughs> All right. I'm going Cowboys minus seven there. Love that. All right. Let's, let's, uh, other 425 game 49ers at Cardinals, cards minus five and a half. Benny, what do you like here?
1: Cards rolling. Yeah. I mean, Kyler Murray looks so much fun. Um, and kind of a complete thing going on where, you know, it's been there a few years. It really looks like, you know, not that it's easy for him, but that he's just so confident in that offense now that he's just rolling any way he wants. So yeah, I think they definitely win by a touchdown in this game. I got the Cardinals.
0: Yeah, I'm 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 going that, that way too. Ditto everything that you just said about Kyler Mary. I mean, it's just fun team down there in Arizona this year. Sure is. All right. Sunday night football. Oh man chiefs bills bills circling the wagon going on the road out there yeah. to kansas city kansas city minus two and a half sunday night football benny what do you like
1: i'm sticking with the boys i i mean this could be the coming out you know not coming out party for the bills but the real like hey we're here we're one of the most legitimate teams in the nfl kind of wins but i don't think they get it quite yet i'm sticking with the chiefies
0: yeah, it's it's tough uh the bills the past three weeks have outscored uh their opposition 128 to 21 though I feel like the they played the Texans so that stats kind of padded a little bit hard to go into Kansas City hard to go in arrowhead and, and get the win normally I circle the wagons with Buffalo not this week give me Kansas City minus two and a half all right, Monday Night Football. Manning's not back quite yet this week, which means we still have time to work on uh, the, uh, what the loser of this whole competition has to do. But for
1: this Monday, Colts, Ravens. Ravens minus 6.5. Benny, what do you like? I keep getting bit by the Colts. So this is kind of a uh, – this has nothing to do with the actual game itself. This is like roulette, you know, when you get uh, when you get red three times in a row, go ahead and throw it on black. So this time I like the Ravens with the six and a half.
0: I got to go with the Ravens too here. It's just, you know, though I fear I'm being, I'm being romanced by that game against Kansas city when they pulled that out. Um, Colts have looked decent. Yeah, yeah. Colts have looked decent. Um, But once again, at home, that crowd's going to be electric in Baltimore. Give me the Ravens minus six and a half.
1: All right. You're going down big boy. I don't I feel I feel like we agreed a lot this week. I don't know yeah, how much a little too consistent. We're gonna have to get a little crazy. It's like uh, again, we reiterate. It's almost like these people who set the lines know what they're doing. Oh, uh,
0: mm-hmm. nothing scares me more than a line. I think we learned that from earlier in the episode. Um, <laughs> plenty of ways to get in contact with the show. You can email us at the tuneup podcast at gmail.com. Two P's in there you want to follow us on all the social platforms even though after our first segment i don't know why you would we are at the tune HQ on twitter instagram and tiktok if you want to follow the big man he's at benny horowitz one number one in your mind number one in your heart number one on twitter i'm at denny underscore gallagher benny you got anything else
1: please if you're gonna post on social media be gentle be kind be socially conscious and you know take your top off it's entertainment baby the show has ended going in peace.
0: <laughs> I'm not even robust about it. You've been listening to the tune-up. <laughs>